It's 12.07. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, as we always do with the first couple segments of the program. We are live streaming today. Go to Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ, and you can watch us as we make the magic happen. All right, as I was mentioning briefly to Steve Scafidi, I was at an event in West Bend last night. Um, we were raising money for one of the, the nonprofits that does beautification. Thank you to everybody who came up and came out and donated so generously on the different items and things like that. Gru, who's producing the show today. All right, so I have a number of people that came up to me at least one, two, three, at least five, maybe more, but at least five people came up and said they listened to the show yesterday. And do you remember, do you want to guess what topic they wanted to talk about with me from yesterday's show? You, my producer said, I don't even remember yesterday's show. <clears throat> Eric Bilstadt got it in one. Rats. I, I had I had people coming up to me all evening saying rats. If if you miss these segments, this is the beauty of our podcast. You can go to WTMJ.com, click on the mobile app page, and subscribe to the podcast. I know a number of you do. What we do is we post it every day, and people who can't listen to all three hours of the show can kind of kind of can sample it later on. But yes, during the one o'clock hour, we talked about how rats are overrunning Wauwatosa, overrunning West Allis. And to an extent, Milwaukee, and that nobody in authority in Wauwatosa cares. Nobody in West Dallas cares. There's no money in the budget. What do we care if there's hundreds or thousands of rats running around? And that got the attention of people out in West Bend. So, yes, if you want to hear the rat segment, that definitely got the And the other question I got, and this is the honest-to-goodness truth, one of my colleagues who lives on 52nd and Center was telling the story about how he went out to his Weber grill took off the cap the other day, and there was a rat, a live rat. I'm not sure if it's better to have a live rat or a dead rat, but there was a live rat in the grill. Yes? Here, come on down to Wauwatosa. Come on down to West Dallas. We'll put that on the tourist brochures. But that's all true. And if you happen to not be listening in the 1 o'clock hour yesterday, you can, again, check it out on the podcast page. Okay, let, let us get started. I am a huge baseball fan. I am just so thrilled with what is going on with the Brewers this year. You, you have they're on track to draw 2.8 million people, which is an incredible testament to the fans of Wisconsin, baseball fans. They're going to finish 8th, ninth, or 10th out of 30 teams in the major leagues as far as attendance goes, ahead of lots and lots of big cities. I mean, it's like we said with Miller Park, if you build it, they will come. Yesterday, the Brewers had a huge win winning, what, their seventh series in a row, taking two of three from the Chicago Cubs in Wrigley Field. They are one game behind the Chicago Cubs. They are tied with the Cubs for the most wins in the National League. And, look, anything can happen. But while the Cubs are starting to struggle, the the Brewers are they are playing great baseball at the right time. Even when they lose games, you get the idea that they are competitive and they are in the games. This is a special season, and I'm going to tell you something. I think back to our opening day broadcast, and I was down in the dugout interviewing players. If you would have said to anybody, hey, here, tell you what, here's the deal is. Let, let's look ahead to September 13th, and let's say, would you settle for being the top team in the wild card, most wins in the National League, tied for the most wins in the National League, and in the heat of a pennant race with the Cubs, I think anybody would have said, bring it on. Yet throughout a lot of this, the Brewers, well, they're starting to get some respect. I read a lot of the Chicago press, and I will tell you, just for example, there's a story in the Chicago Tribune today. A Cubs-Brewers encore in October is just what baseball needs. And it talks about, 
what it would, how great it would be for baseball to have arguably the, the two best teams in the National League playing each other and how that would be a shot in the arm. It also talks about, and this has been the general sentiment for the last week or two, about how the Chicago Cubs want no part of the Brewers. And the concern is that at this point in the season, maybe the Brewers have the Cubs number. Now, I don't know about that. Cubs are a very good team as well. But some of these baseball writers are starting to realize that what is happening in Milwaukee is real. They're also recognizing that Milwaukee, once again, gets very, very little respect. For example, on ESPN, and essentially if you're on ESPN baseball, you've got to be either the Boston Red Sox or the New York Yankees. Baseball on ESPN, their big broadcast is Sunday night baseball, kind of like NBC's Sunday night football. You realize this, that despite being in a pennant race last year through September, and despite having again, tied for the best record in the National League this year. Do you realize the Brewers have not been on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball one time this year? Just completely and totally blown off by, again, ESPN. They actually asked Craig Council about that in the story I'm looking at, and he said, yeah, you're right, um, we, we, we haven't been on there. He says it's a ratings thing, it's a business thing. Um, that's how I've always seen it. I mean, the same teams are on Sunday night baseball. It's the Red Sox and Yankees. I don't fight that, and I, I don't think it'll ever change. And then, of course, one of the Chicago Tribune writers says, well, the one way that you might make the networks and the people at ESPN and stuff wake up is when you make the playoffs and you start to make a decent run, because then you're going to have to be in the playoffs. All right, here's what I want to start off the show with. Are the Brewers for real? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Look, the, the Brewers made the playoffs in 2008 for the first time in forever. Back in 2011, they've come close in the last couple years. A couple years back, they were great until they collapsed in September. Last year, just couldn't quite get over the hump. This year, a game behind the Cubs, heading for the wild card. But still, they're not getting a lot of national respect Again, it's they're not the Dodgers, they're not the Yankees, they're not the Red Sox, they're not, uh, again, the Cubs. But but they are playing, I think, arguably as good a baseball as anybody in the country. Is this team for real? And they do they deserve to be taken seriously? Are you on the bandwagon? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right, Brewers Nation. Let's talk about where this team is. Are you optimistic? They're still not getting national love. Now, I, I did, when I came back from this event, I watched Sports Center last night, and, and they did have a segment on, uh, on the Brewers because they almost had to. And again, I guess the game was on ESPN last night, but no Sunday night baseball. Are the Brewers for real? 414-799-1620. My answer is you bet they are. We're back to talk about it in just a moment. Once again, we're live streaming. Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1214. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're up on Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ as well. If you want to watch us do the show, Carol sends on Facebook, yes, the Brewers are for real. This is their year. Linda says they could go to and win the World Series, and the losing team would still get more coverage. Well, certainly if the losing team were the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dave in Waukesha. Dave, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Real well, thank you, sir. Um, oh, yeah, they're definitely for real. And um, like I was telling you, Skinner, I also think 
I think Council's going to be in serious conversations for Manager of the Year, especially this last series, especially last night. That was probably the most brilliantly managed game I've ever seen. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. He's managing the bullpen and, you know, the way he takes, the way he utilizes the starters. He's not frying anybody out. Mm-hmm. You know, he's moving well, people around. Well, so, you know, what I think I also give even perhaps even more credit to Council for is I think he's got actually the perfect temperament for the job. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. When they were going through that really bad streak right into the All-Star break where they lost five in Pinsbury, he, he, he was like, okay, we're going to – it was kind of like Aaron Rodgers a couple of years ago. Relax. He was like, okay, we're a good team. We will be okay. All teams go through these ruts. I think – and I think teams take a lot from their manager and the temperament of their manager. Yeah, and I think the other part, too, that, that's refreshing and why I think they're really for real is the fact that it's not all dependent on the long ball. I mean, they're manufacturing runs. Right. No, and and, and and then again, they can still hit home runs. No, thanks for the call. I, 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 think, I think this team is, is for real, and I guess I'm a little bit frustrated. Maybe this is my, okay, Wisconsin chip on my shoulder, because I think Wisconsin is just a great place in general. But you, you know darn well that if this was a larger or a bigger TV market, this would be the feel-good story of the year, and all these players would be. I mean, look at what Kristen Yellis is doing. I mean, if if he's not the major league envy, the National League most valuable player, I don't know who's going to be, unless, especially if the Brewers go on and do well in the playoffs. Let's talk to Kelly in Fort Atkinson. Kelly, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi there. Hi, Kelly. Um, I uh, completely agree with you until last night. I noticed that the game was on Fox Sports, and it was also on. ESPN. Right, they're Thursday night baseball, yep. Yeah, and so at the end of the game, I purposely, as it started getting really good, um, watched ESPN, and they actually were talking how the Cubs are half asleep. And at the end of the game, talking about how these players are multi-talented for the Brewers, picking up different positions and Mm -hmm. being able to get in the game and do whatever, and they actually came out of their mouths that they were – World Series contenders, and I almost fell over, um, but it was super cool. I, I totally agree with you up until I heard those comments, and that's why I watched it purposely right. on two different stations, I think. Well, it, it will be interesting to see as the season plays out. I mean, because if, if, if you want to – I mean, this is the best race in baseball, actually, in my opinion. You know, you've got two – Really good teams. They're a game apart. Look, I, I don't know if the Brewers are going to overhaul the Cubs either because I have a lot of respect for the Cubs. I think they're a really good team, but I don't it, think it's mutual though. Well, I, well, you know, it, no, thanks for calling. It, it's interesting because I, I will tell you. I, I don't know about fans, but I will tell you about players. And this is just. I don't know if people are trying to avoid billboard material, or whatever. But I, 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 I listen to some of the stuff out of Chicago. I read the paper, and I, I will tell you. The Cubs themselves, the, the players and the people that cover the team, they think the Brewers are for real. And, I mean, the Cubs won a lot of close games against the Brewers earlier in this year. I think a lot of those – I think a lot of the people in Chicago that cover that team think that at least right now – and, again, things can change – right now the Brewers are, if not a better team, the Brewers are playing better baseball. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Tom in West Allis. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Tom. Um, I'm well with the Brewers. I, I think they're going to do real good, but I look at it this way. I would rather go and not be notified as far as ESPN and everything else, because I think that motivates the players and say, you don't notice me now, you'll notice me in the playoffs. And I think that's the, that's the big key, I think, for the Brewers is, is 
Fly low, fly under yeah. that radar screen. Yeah. Yeah, and just be calm. And then you know, when when the storm hits, then then they might realize what what the Brewers are really like. You know, it, it's interesting. I was looking at. I mean, I don't follow the American League that well because I, I pay attention to the National League. But I will tell you, given the way the Brewers are playing right now. I don't think I'd want to be a fan of any other team other than the Brewers. If you're looking for, I, I mean, I think the Brewers have as good a chance to go to the World Series this year with the team they have put together as any other team in the National League. I don't care what Las Vegas odds makers say. I don't care what ESPN thinks. I think this team is for real. Yeah, and the thing about it is, is us older people, you know, and everything else, we've been waiting since 1982, <laughs> and it's been a thorn in our side. And let me tell you something, it would be. I'd probably cry if the Brewers would win the World Series. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, you got to go back to, what, the 57? Is that when the Braves won to win the World Series? I mean, I can remember when the Brewers went to the World Series in, in 82 out of the American League. Eric yeah, Casey writes, hey, they are for real, and I feel a huge amount of credit goes to Craig Council for acting as part of the team and managing with intelligence, period. As a 34-year-old woman, I am loving watching them and listening to them. Go Brewers. I, I tell you, you know, it's interesting. Um, you had the, you know, some of the Brewers executives were out yesterday um, talking about how um, Rick Schlesinger was talking about how he thinks we've got a team that's built for years. And you know, some people were saying, well, they haven't done anything yet. I, I think Rick is absolutely right. They're, they're way ahead of the rebuilding thing. And look, and I'm not going to argue that every player transaction that they've made in the last three or four years has been has been a hit. It, it, it probably hasn't. But at the same time, you look at where they are now and where maybe a lot of us thought they would be. They're way ahead. I I guess again, I'm I'm trying not to look at this through rose colored glasses. I know you take these things. Here's another cliche. You know, one day at a time. But I'm telling you, this is a fun time. Meaningful baseball in September. Eric in Port Washington. Eric, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my sure. call. Um, you know, I, I totally agree the Brewers uh, really don't get a, a lot of uh, national attention. <laughs> it's always been like that, really. Uh, but, you know, they really don't even get a lot of local attention. Until now that they're, like, you know, this far into mm-hmm. the season and still contending. But for the first five months of the season, usually the lead story on the news has to do with the Packers. I right. mean, all this week, the only thing we've heard about is Aaron Rodgers' knee. Right. And in July, when, uh, you know, the Brewers were still, you know, around first place, you know, the, the lead story is what was happening in training camp. So yep. I, I think if, if the Brewers want to get national attention, it's got to start locally. Well, I think, you know, look, and look here, here's the reality of this, too. And let me give you a little, this is my perspective as a talk show host, you know, in the Milwaukee media market at, at a flagship station for Packers and Brewers and Bucks and things like that. The... um. The, the relationship between the Wisconsin fan base and the Green Bay Packers is something completely and totally different, I think, from any other relationship the fan base and any other teams, maybe anywhere. I mean, the Packers are, I don't mean to be blasphemous, but the Packers are kind of a religion. And, and it's true that the Packers kind of suck the air out of everything. That is sort of a reality. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that there's not great baseball fans. And, you know, I, I will tell you, Matter of fact, I have a text from somebody who says, all right, th- th- this is the deal. I've got a chance to go to the Brewers game. The Brewers are playing at home on on uh, Sunday against uh, Pittsburgh. And he said, all right, that, that's the same time the Packers are playing the Vikings. And he said, I'm, I am really torn 
you know, what am I going to do? And of course, my response would be, you know, go to both, you know, watch both. You know, if you go, um, you know, take along your smartphone, keep track of the Packers. But if you get a chance to go to the Brewers, go out and certainly do that. Guess the bottom line of all this is there is still room on the bandwagon. Um, I, I think for the longest time, Maybe it's because it's Wisconsin. Maybe it's because it's Milwaukee. Maybe because, you know, the Packers suck all the air out of stuff. Maybe because the Brewers haven't been in the playoffs since 2011. Maybe people are still a little bit skeptical. I understand all that stuff, but I really have to think, and maybe I'll eat these words a month from now. Okay, fine. But I really think that this is the year that appears the Brewers are not just knocking on the door they're getting ready to kick that door down. And I'm telling you, it's a lot of fun. Next couple of weeks, I think, are going to be a lot of fun. And my only advice would be, if you are a sports fan in general, and if you are a baseball fan in particular, hop on board. And maybe if enough of us hop on board that bandwagon, sooner or later, even ESPN will realize that maybe you should lead Sports Center with what might be one of the best teams in baseball. Um, and again, if they make the playoffs and get to the World Series, uh, the networks are going to have to show their games, even if they're even if they're on weekend evenings. It's twelve twenty-seven. We've been broadcasting Facebook Live. We take that down after the first half hour or so of the program. But thank you for participating. And if you want to go back and check that out, you can. It's Facebook.com/slash six twenty WTMJ. When we come back, what was President Trump thinking? Really? Stick around. It's twelve twenty-seven. This is Jeff Wagner. WTMJ. It's 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Brewers enjoy a day off while the Packers look to get healthy ahead of their divisional matchup with the Minnesota Vikings this Sunday at Lambeau Field. Wayne and Larry will be on the call, and we're with you all day starting at 9 o'clock Sunday morning, sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. Now, here's the deal. I, I'm going, uh, my, my buddy Evan and I were going to the Packers game. He got tickets, so we're going to go um, to the Viking Packers-Vikings game. But I will tell you, I will be checking in constantly, whether it's on my smartphone or otherwise, during the Packers game. I'm I'm going to be keeping up to date with the progress of the Brewers game. And again, depending, my guess is the Packers game will end first. And so I'll probably be listening to part of the game on the drive home. You, you can multitask. If you are a sports fan here, you can be a supporter of the Packers and you can have fun. You can go to that game and you can watch the Brewers or or vice versa. All right, let's review the bidding for a minute on, on something that happened last year. After years and years and years of, figuratively speaking, dodging bullets when it came to hurricanes, last year what was a bad year. You had, first of all, at the end of August of 2017, you had Hurricane Harvey, which hit Texas, kind of came up the Gulf Coast. And if you remember, it hit Texas, and then it just stayed. Remember, we, we had the story day after day after day after day after day of, of relentless flooding in the Houston area. All right, so, and then, of course, you had, as always happens, you know, you've got FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency. You know, they responded to, again, Hurricane Harvey and all the damage it did in South Texas. All right, then... In kind of the, the middle of September, just a couple of weeks after Harvey, you had Hurricane Irma that hit. This time, Hurricane Irma hit um, the Florida coast, particularly it, the Florida Keys. And it, you might remember there, there were all these evacuations that were coming, and there were predictions, for example, that like Key West would be devastated. What ended up happening is the hurricane path shifted a little bit to the north, and so Key West 
Key West got a lot of rain. We were in Key West in February. Key West got a lot of rain, but it, but it it did not take the brunt of it. There were a couple of the keys um, between, for example, Miami and Key West that got hit really hard, that were devastated, that even when we were back there in February, some schools and stuff weren't open. So you had you know Hurricane Irma that hit, went through the keys, and then that did a number on Florida. Now, this is a couple weeks after Hurricane Harvey, so you've got federal emergency management people that are still trying to deal with Harvey, and then they've also got to deal with Irma. Then what happened? A couple weeks later, you had Hurricane Maria, and Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, for a variety of reasons, um, ill-prepared for a storm of this magnitude. Um, Puerto Rico, nowhere near as modern as, say, areas in Texas and areas in the continental, otherwise in the continental U.S. would be. It's it's an island. Um, what happened was there, there's no easy way to get there. It's not like you can pile onto trucks and drive there. You have to have ships that, that come in with relief things, or you have to fly planes in. But the problem is if the infrastructure gets torn up in a tornado and you, you can't land planes, you can't land planes. If um, ships get sunk in the harbor, you got to clear them out before you get planes in. It's an island. It is much tougher to get to. And in some cases, um, again, the infrastructure at Puerto, in Puerto Rico in general was very, very old and was devastated. So you have electricity that's out. You have no power that's out. It was, it was a mess. And it comes just a couple weeks after now two major hurricanes hit. So there was all this controversy involving the federal government's response to Hurricane Maria. Some people, again, accusing it of race, the government of racism. All oh, this is terrible. You know, that we're, we're letting Puerto Rico suffer. Well, the reality was, I mean, the Federal Emergency Management Agency was stretched. You know, when you have three major events, three hurricanes in the space of less than a month, there's limitations. The nature of the destruction in Puerto Rico was particularly bad, and the difficulty of accessing Puerto Rico was particularly bad. So there's a lot of factors that came together, and I understand some people were upset with the response, but to say that this was racism or this was a failure I I think is, is very, very unfair. It was just... All right, there's no trying to reason with the hurricane season, if I can borrow a phrase from a Jimmy Buffett song. All right, so Puerto Rico is still rebuilding, and some people are frustrated with the the pace of this. Well, all right, now it's 2018. You've got Hurricane Florence, which is heading for the the east coast and is going to be making landfall sometime soon in South Carolina or North Carolina. We're already getting the reports about that. All right, that is all the backdrop. And President Trump is obviously very sensitive to criticism, period. And he's especially sensitive when it comes to criticism about his handling of emergency management things. And there's already stuff that's being written in the national press. There were a couple pieces over the last two days talking about, well, even if FEMA's response was appropriate, Trump has the wrong attitude and he's not a consoler or things like that. It's just like, all right, the hurricane hasn't even hit and he's already getting criticized. So I understand why he's a little bit unhappy about some of this. But he decides to take to Twitter today in the, I don't know, given that you've got Hurricane Florence, which is coming, and he decides to talk about Hurricane Maria, which is the one that hit Puerto Rico last year. Now, there's a study that was done by George Washington University, and the, the, the study 
comes out and it says that comparing the normal mortality rate to people who would have otherwise died in Puerto Rico and then people who died in the aftermath of the hurricane, they they estimate that there are about 3,000 hurricane-related deaths. That's what George Washington University says, 3,000 hurricane-related deaths. So here's what President Trump comes out and texts. He says, this is today, 3,000 people did not die in the two hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico. When I left the island after the storm had hit, they had anywhere from 6 to 18 deaths. As time went by, it did go, it, as time went by, it did not go up by much. Then a long time later, they started to report really large numbers like 3,000. This was done by Democrats in order to make me look as bad as possible when I was successfully raising billions of dollars to help rebuild Puerto Rico. If a person died for any reason, like old age, just add them onto the list. Bad politics. I love Puerto Rico. All right, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Regardless of the merits of the president's position, I do not, for the love of God, understand why, given you know what's going to be happening on the East Coast, why you would revisit what happened in Puerto Rico today. Now, now again, the the George Washington study that he's referring to doesn't actually say three thousand deaths specifically caused by the hurricane. It, it it compares mortality rates of what you would expect normally versus after the hurricane. So there there probably is some attribution of. I mean, here's somebody that passed away because they they couldn't get to the ho- they they couldn't get to the hospital after they had a heart attack because the road was torn up. I, I'm sure there is some of that in there, I, but. But the George Washington study says 3,000 deaths. Is this a fight that you want to pick at this point in time? Because I guarantee you this is going to be, well, the leading story on all the newscasts tonight is going to be Hurricane Florence. But this is going to be the sub-story. 414-799-1620. Even if the president is right, technically or or not just technically, period, I don't understand for the life of me why you choose to pick this battle at this point in time. 414-799-1620. It's 1244. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1250. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. President Trump is out with a couple tweets today. There's a George Washington study that was released a few weeks ago that says that there were about, that they estimate that there were about 3,000 deaths as a result of the, the hurricane that hit Puerto Rico. President Trump is out today with a couple of provocative tweets saying, um, essentially, you know, 300 people did not die in the two hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico. When I left the island after the storm had hit, they had anywhere from six to 18 deaths. As time went by, it did not go up by much. Then a long time later, they started to report really large numbers like 3,000. This was done by the Democrats in order to make me look bad as possible when I was successfully raising billions of dollars to help rebuild Puerto Rico. If a person died for any reason, like old age, just add them to the list. Bad politics. I love Puerto Rico. Let's talk to Jason in Mequon. Jason, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Um, George Washington University used a computer algorithm to mm-hmm. come up with this number. So it's disingenuous that they did this. Nobody ever went down there to see how many bodies were laying around in a morgue, you know, this, that, or the other place where you find a body normally. And if this number was true, we would have heard about it a long time ago. 
So why wait till now to release it? But yet, uh, Donald Trump shouldn't have picked this fight because he can't be taken wrong about anything and take anything. Well, but let me ask you this. I mean, the study came out a few weeks ago. Why, why, why decide, I guess, to pick this fight and why decide to pick this fight the day that a hurricane is getting ready to hit the East Coast? Why pick the fight in general? Why, why even address the matter? He can't take anything personally and, you know, just let it go. Why are we just hearing about this 3000 number now? I don't remember hearing about this, you know, a couple weeks ago. So they take the shot because you got another hurricane coming in, another good reason to say the government's all screwed up under Trump and, you know, I think it's just a cheap shot, personally. Okay, well, but. okay well, Jay, wait, but see, here, here, here's my point. I don't, I, I, well, I want to confess, I, I, I did not pay attention. This George Washington study, this, this attributing, again, it's, it's attributing 3,000 deaths, not 3,000 people died during the hurricane, the way I understand it. It is saying 3,000 people more died as a result of the hurricane than would have otherwise died. And again, the, the best example I could give was, okay, a month later, you have somebody that can't get to the hospital because the road is torn up. Okay, they didn't die during the hurricane. And, and, and I don't know if it's a BS study or not, but I, I want to be honest with you. I didn't even hear about that. And, and I, I pay attention to a lot of stuff. I, I was not even tuned into this particular thing until today. President Trump calls attention to this study, and now you, you have now you have this huge issue. I guess I want to go back to something that, that you said, Jason, that I think it does make a point, and, and it is a problem. In my opinion, it is a problem for this president, and that is that that he can't let anything go. And, and I mean, I guess I don't know why I don't know why, why you want to embroil yourself in this particular fight at this point in time. I know some of you disagree with me, but I don't think the government in the immediate aftermath of, you know, Hurricane Maria, I don't think the government did a bad job. I, I think Puerto Rico understanding, as I said earlier, that this is the, the it was the third hurricane that, that hit in the space of a month. You have a limited number of people. They say, well, FEMA was understaffed. Yeah, well, FEMA was a little bit understaffed, but FEMA was also stretched incredibly thin. And Puerto Rico was particularly vulnerable to this type of storm because their infrastructure was not what you would expect it to be or not what you would hope it to be. So it was particularly devastated. I was a defender of President Trump uh, as far as the reaction goes. But why you want to fight this battle? I mean, I, I think he's still hacked off at the mayor of Puerto Rico, who is a Democrat and who criticized him. Um, but it's just why do you want to pick this fight on a day like today? Mark in Whitewater. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. How you doing, Jeff? Hi, Mark. Mark, what do you think? Uh his remarks are uh, totally reprehensible, very shameful, just adding insult to injury. You know, and really, <laughs> the eye of the storm is sitting in the Oval Office, yeah. sorry to say. Um, well, it's this is another one of, of these things that, again, puts people off message. Paul Ryan, you know, got tracked down today. And I don't, Ryan's trying to talk about all sorts of, of different things. And all the questions that he's being asked now is, well, 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 what do you think about this study? Do you, you know, do you have problems with it? And Paul Ryan is like, well, I, I have no reason to dispute the findings. I mean, this is the, the, I think this is the last thing that any Republicans in Congress or Republicans in, Senate, in the U.S. Senate want to talk about today. It, it's why revisit Puerto Rico? Um, why argue about some George Washington study? It, it's, I think okay. that there's that frustration. 
Exactly. Thanks, no, no, thanks for calling. No, and, and that's and you know I go I go back to this. I was saying this yesterday. I'm I'm um, I did not get an advance. Sometimes they send advance copies of these books. I didn't get an advance copy of the Woodward book Fear, so I bought it. I, I get got delivered the other day. Got delivered Tuesday, and um, I, I've been working my way through it. I'm, I'm about halfway through it now. And interestingly enough, and maybe there's more later. It's not a particularly flattering portrait of the president. It portrays him as being sort of impulsive and obsessed with certain things. But on the other hand, I don't know that I think it's unfair because it also it takes some shots at the Obama administration and it acknowledges that, you know, some people in the cabinet got some stuff right when it came to the Middle East and all. I guess I'm reading this and I don't think it's this unfair sort of thing. Um, Again, maybe there's something in the second half that will really kind of change my opinion on that. But the the thing is, it does portray the president as somebody who is just uh, obsessed with with stuff who gets a, a this is me talking, uh, a bug up a certain part of his anatomy and then just has to lash out at it. And today I just think is a peculiar day to send out tweets arguing about a study that came out a month ago regarding a hurricane that happened a year ago when our concern should be for people who right now live in South Carolina and live in North Carolina and live along the eastern seaboard who are going to get, what's the technical term, whomped, who are going to get whumped by Hurricane Florence when it hits later today. 1255, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back, the man who wants to be governor, the guy who has been in charge of the schools for years and years, I think he's got a bad math problem. We'll talk about it. Stick around. It's 1255. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, right before the break, I asked Melissa if she wanted to stick around for the dumbest, the dumbest criminal. No, you don't have to stick around. You can listen. You hear my producer Gru says I have to stick around. I, I got to. Yes, but you will find this interesting as well. All right, now there are lots of dumb criminals. I used to say this when I was in the U.S. Attorney's office that there's there's some criminals that you, you got to work really hard to catch. They're clever, and, and you got to work really hard. Then, but then it all kind of evens out because there's others that are just incredibly dumb. Tell you a story. We were doing, we being the royal we, got a search warrant for this drug house. Um, my DEA friends hit the drug house. So that they, they're raiding the house. They're seizing, they're seizing, you know, all these drugs and stuff. The phone inside the drug house rings. One of my DEA agent friends answers it. Hello? And the guy on the other end of the phone says, is so-and-so there? And the DE agent says, well, he's not here right now. What do you want? And the guy says, I want half a pound. <laughs> and the agent says, okay, where should we bring it to you? You know. And the guy says, I'll be standing out on the corner. Honestly, guys, it's a true story. I'll be standing out on the corner of, I don't know, 12th and whatever. Okay? So they call me. They say, what should we do? What should you do? I said, well, let's, let's drive by 12th and whatever and find out. Honest to goodness, they drive by 12th and whatever, and there's this guy standing there with a Mr. Coffee box full of money. And now it's kind of like, okay, sometimes you got to work really hard to catch the criminals, and sometimes 
it's just not their day, right? That was, I mean, it's just not their day. And yes, the guy got caught and got convicted and all went off. So, all right, this is the story. This is the way the Journal Sentinel reported. Now, you will remember, few eh, about a month and a half ago or so, we were talking about th- this crime wave where you have all these criminals from Milwaukee who are moving out to the suburbs because th- there's there's more targets of opportunity there. And and one of the things that was happening is there were all these break-ins in Whitefish Bay. And by break-ins, you, you had roving gangs of, of people who were going like door-to-door, trying to find out if garage doors were unlocked or trying to find out if cars were unlocked. And what they would do then is they'd go in the cars and they'd loot the cars to see if there was money in them or if somebody had happened to leave their keys in the car, they'd steal the car. Or if you could get into the car and the car had a garage door opener, they'd open the garage door and they'd go in. It's, this, this is this is what is happening. The Milwaukee crime problem is so bad and it's spreading to the suburbs that, that the truth is, even if you live in a good neighborhood, you, you, you can't, and I, I hate to say this, but it's, it's just a reality, you can't leave your car unlocked in your driveway because even if you live in a good neighborhood, there's criminals that are going to be coming from other neighborhoods looking to rip you off. So anyhow, um, here, here is here is the story. The dumbest criminal, at least for the day, the winner is a 19-year-old guy named Terrence Tarleton. Okay, now Ter- Ter- Terrence Tarleton, tell you about this in a second, but he came up because he was, he came up ultimately as part of an investigation that the Whitefish Bay Police were conducting into the theft of a 2017 BMW that was stolen in late August from Berkeley Boulevard, Whitefish Bay. What happened is apparently the owner forgot to take her purse out of her car, left her purse in her car overnight with the key in the vehicle, and came out in the morning and the car was stolen. All right, she, I, she, she just forgot. She forgot. All right, so... The police start to investigate that with the help of BMW, because it has one of these car tracking systems in it. um, Whitefish Bay police tracked the vehicle to the 4100 block of North 16th Street. Police then processed the vehicle and found Tarleton's fingerprints on the passenger side window. Okay, now that's 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 not that's not what makes him the stupid criminal. that He stole the car that had this like GPS tracking on it. Whitefish Bay police also found fingerprints belonging to another man on the car. All right. Well, all right. But so they're able to trace this then to to Carlton. All right. While looking through Carlton's Facebook page. So they're able to identify this guy based on fingerprints. And they determine, okay, this is this Terrence Tarleton. So they go on social media. He's got a Facebook page. Honest to God. They go on the Facebook page and they find a picture of him and four other people posing with a 2017 Toyota RAV4 and a gray 2017 Honda CRV. So the Whitefish Bay police send this, this Facebook photo to other agencies to say, hey, do these cars match any vehicles that were stolen in juris- juris- jurisdictions? And surprise follows surprise. Both had recently been stolen from Glendale. So you've got the moron who is posing on Facebook 
smiling and standing in front of a bunch of stolen cars. Um, let's see. Whitefish Bay police officer discovered that Tarleton lives on the block where the stolen BMW was recovered. Second trip to that neighborhood found the Honda CRV stolen from Glendale, Toyota RAV4 stolen from Glendale, and a gray Honda Accord stolen from Milwaukee parked on that same block. So they steal the cars. They drive them to where they live. They take pictures of themselves posed in front of them, and they put them up on Facebook. You are talking from a criminal perspective. I'm telling you, when these guys go to prison, I mean, really, they, they, they should be, you know, at the end of the bench being mocked by the other prisoners. Really? This is why you did this to get in jail. Whitefish Bay police search Tarleton's house. They find a gun, ammunition, multiple cell phones, and wait for it, multiple car keys in the rafters of the basement. Okay, so let's keep all the keys in our house as well. Tarleton told, and they they interview him, he told police that he knew that the cars were stolen. He didn't think he was doing anything wrong by being a passenger in the vehicles. He said one of the other people in the photo gave him the keys to several stolen cars. He had the key, hid the keys in the rafters. He's been charged, et cetera, et cetera. He then, and, and this is perhaps the more serious aspect of this, he told police that he is part of something called the Hampton Boys and that they have a rival group, the Professional Stoli Riders. The two groups compete to see who are the best drivers of stolen cars and who have the most girls. Huh. Now, okay, I'm just trying to think. If I were the father of a teenage girl, there, there might be all sorts of things that I would, I would hope, all sorts of characteristics that I hope my daughter would be attracted to if she was trying to find you know, my future son-in-law. You know, maybe, hey, he's good in athletics, he's really smart, he's going to have a successful career, he's a really decent guy, you know, he just he'll treat you well. I, I don't know necessarily if those characteristics would be he's a good car thief and he has a lot of women. But, but all right, maybe I'm just old-fashioned here. Another boy identified in the Facebook photo is 17-year-old Lavelle English, who has been charged with burglary for allegedly trying to steal a Trek bicycle out of an open garage on West Mill Road. Then it goes on and on and on. But apparently, again, the reason they are unraveling this gang is because these people not only decided to commit the crimes, but they decided to put photos of themselves doing it on Facebook. Why do they do this? Part of it is that they're idiots. Okay, Part of it is that they're idiots. The other part, though, and this is perhaps the more significant issue, the other part is, in addition to being idiots, it is this ultimate arrogance of of the criminal class nowadays, the brazenness. Here, we're going door to door. We're going driveway to driveway. We're looking for unlocked cars. We're going to get in them, and then we're going to steal them. Number one, it is the arrogance and the brazenness. And number two, it's the lack of fear of consequences. And I know that's a recurring theme on this program, but it's true. The idea that these these people who are committing these crimes, whether it's a 17-year-old or the 19-year-old or the other members of the professional Stoli Riders or the Hampton Boys, they think they can do this because even if they're caught, they're not going to be held accountable and there's not going to be any consequences. So they can do this kind of stuff. And you know what the really scary thing is? Many times they are right. And so 
going back to something we talked about in the last hour of the program, when, when you hear people like Tony Evers say we're putting too many people in prison or we're keeping people in prison for too long, think about these type of situations where you have these brazen criminals that are out there and, and wonder, gee, maybe if we held them a little bit more accountable, maybe if we had consequences, wouldn't that perhaps make them less likely to decide, hey, I'm going to steal a bunch of cars and I'm going to go joyriding in them and I'm going to put my picture up on Facebook because nothing too bad would happen. At least for the day, though, the the stupidest criminal in the Milwaukee area, Terrence Carlton, for posing on Facebook with the stolen cars. It's 219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 222, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The guys who have protected the backsides of Bart Starr, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and many others. Who are the best offensive tackles in Packers history? Text the number 100 to 414-799-1620. Text the number 100 to 414-799-1620 for a link to cast your ballot in the latest Green Bay 100 all-time team vote. All right, the last hour of the program, I, I told you about the reference that Eric Trump made to shekels and the controversy about whether it was anti-Semitic or not. All right, here's another controversy involving something that someone has said. I have a slightly different conclusion on this. Norm MacDonald. Rue, you know who Norm MacDonald is, right? Norm MacDonald is the comedian probably most famous for Saturday Night Live. He was one of the anchor men, for example, on, on their weekend update. All right. He also, he's a comedy writer. He started out, started his career writing for the old Roseanne show. So he knows Roseanne Barr, things like that. You, you, you are perhaps familiar with the first aspect of this controversy. He was scheduled. He's got a new, he's got a new show. That's coming out. It's going to be on Netflix, I believe. Got a new show that's coming out. And he was going to be on The Tonight Show the other night to promote the show. They bounced him from The Tonight Show because he had done an interview with with Variety, which is the Hollywood magazine. And and he got around to talking about the Me Too movement and, and the fact that, you know, people's careers are being ended because of this. He's a friend of the comedian Louis uh, C.K., who, you know, admitted to various situations with women, various uh, improper things with women. And, and Louis C.K. is trying to make a comeback. That's creating controversy. He's a friend of Roseanne Barr, and he talked about, you know, some of the things there. And what he went on to say is he was that he said he was, quote, Happy the Me Too movement has slowed down a little bit. He said it used to be 100 women can't be lying, and then it became one woman can't lie, and that became I believe all women, and then you're like, what? That Chris Harwick guy, I really thought he got the blunt end of the stick there. So these were comments were interpreted as being insensitive to women who are victims of sexual harassment, and he became too much of a hot potato, and, and, and they dropped him from The Tonight Show. All right. Now, you know, reasonable people can I I think reasonable people can disagree about, you know, whether his remarks were insensitive to victims of sexual harassment or whether he was raising this legitimate concern that, you know, this went from you've got all these women who have been filing, making complaints against like a Harvey Weinstein. um, But is it possible that a woman could make a false complaint? All right. People can debate that. All right. He goes on 
then yesterday Howard Stern, who's on the, the satellite radio thing, and he he's talking about this, and he's trying to apologize and backtrack, and he's saying his remarks were taken out of context, and he's very very sensitive, of course, to the issue of women, you know, who have been involved in sexual abuse. So here's what he says to Howard Stern. He says, you'd have to have Down syndrome not to feel sorry for victims of sexual abuse. You'd have to have Down syndrome not to feel sorry for victims of sexual abuse. Not you'd have to be foolish or you'd have to be dumb. You'd have to have Down syndrome. Well, no sooner are those words out of his mouth then you have this whole new controversy involving, all right, Down syndrome? That's the phrase that you're going to use to try to dig yourself out of this hole that at least some people perceive that you dug yourself into on the whole sexual harassment issue? All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. As I said in one of our earlier segments, I, I appreciate that sometimes we are too sensitive to things, um, but... Do people have a right? Is it legitimate if somebody is offended when this guy goes on TV, on the radio, and says you'd have to have Down syndrome not to feel sorry for victims of sexual abuse? 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have a very strong opinion on this particular reference, um, but let's discuss. 414-799-1620. Norm McDonald goes from the... Verbal frying pan into the fire. Is this fair or unfair? We'll talk about it next. It's 227. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Lori in Fond du Lac. Hi, Lori. What do you think? I think uh, that Norm McDonald is just very naive and very ignorant. I think he's kind of immature. I, how, Whatever he says, um, I just don't think he really thought it through. And... You would hope he, you, I mean, you would yeah. hope he didn't. I mean, this, I guess, I mean, I, I, do I think people are, are too sensitive to some stuff? Yeah. But I'm, I'm like, okay. I, I have to admit, I was a little bit taken aback about that. And I, and I try to, I try not to be hypersensitive, but I, I mean, I don't, likening, his analogy is likening, gee, this is, this is stupid. I must have down, you must think I'd have down syndrome to do yeah, something like this. Like a, a first grader might say that they shouldn't even be saying nowadays, but something that yeah. I, I can't even believe that he would say something like that. And somebody with down syndrome, yeah. boy, they're a lot smarter than he is, I well, think. Well, right. Or, or, or all the parents. Yeah. I mean, thanks. I mean, it's it just, it's so, it's so gratuitous. And I guess if he was trying to be funny, this ain't funny. I, I mean, it's, if he was trying to, if this, this is the idea of a joke, it, it's just, and look, and I, and I understand we live in this politically correct world and, and I try not to buy into this type of stuff, but at the same time, it, you, you sit there and you think, all right, for all the people that are out there who, you know, have children who deal with this and, and, and you know, deal with this type of situation, this, this is mocking, this is mocking them and, and why do you think this is funny? Why is this the reference that pops into your head when, again, you could you could say anything? You know, you, you, you'd have to be really, you'd have to be a fool not to feel sorry for victims of sexual abuse. There's all these different things that this guy could have said, and he picks this, gee, you'd have to have this particular condition? I, I mean, 
look, sometimes whatever his intent was, if he was trying to be funny or he was trying to be cavalier or whatever, sometimes even in the world of comedy, maybe it, it's a good idea to just think for about two seconds, maybe have that little verbal stop sign, you know, that, that's there in between your eyes before. I mean, I know people, trust me. I know people that there's the brain and there's the mouth and there's nothing between them. And it just kind of comes out. My advice would be stop sign every once in a while. Melissa Barkley, you, you know what I'm talking about? I do. There are people out there. Everyone knows them. Yeah. I, it's, it's, it's just, you know, just kind of. Think before you speak. Well, well, right. And if you intend to say it, well, then go ahead and tend to say it. But I'm like, oh, come on. You know, it's. Uh, of all the different phrases you could use, and and, and again, and I, I love it because the guys on the guys on the radio, he's trying to dig out of a controversy he created the day before for remarks that some people think are insensitive to uh, again the the whole sexual harassment movement. I, I could maybe defend some of the things he was saying yesterday. That the Down syndrome thing. Sorry, he's on his own. Two thirty-seven. Jeff Wagner. WTMJ. Seventy degrees outside. Love the weather here, with the exception of the fact that all that rain we had a week or so ago grew. Have you noticed the mosquitoes? Brutal. Just brutal. Um, and as the proud owner of a little dog who needs to go outside sometimes, especially like in the evenings, honest to goodness. I mean, it's my, my, my typical, maybe this is too much information, my typical apparel in the evening for like walking the dog is just throw on a, a, a pair of um, like sweat shorts and a, you know, uh, just a regular short sleeve shirt. Um, you go out there and, and my legs just get completely and totally chewed up. So now it's heavy blue jeans. All right. Come on, Sasha. Let's go. Daddy will get dressed and put on the shoes and no no wandering around barefoot or else I end up uh, just, just bitten up. But 70 degrees. Weather is just absolutely beautiful. And. Um, while we're sympathetic, of course, and watching what's going to happen on the East Coast with the hurricane making landfall, this is one of those occasions where, you know, for all the flooding we had a couple weeks ago, we're now getting the benefit of some decent weather. All right. I, I have said this before on the program. I am not typically an early adopter. I, I'm the guy who doesn't have to have the latest and the best thing. I'm the guy who... It was only a couple months ago that I went to Netflix, for goodness sake. And you're talking about somebody who just loves the different TV shows and stuff. But having admitted, having said that, having gone on Netflix, I get it. I understand why people love it. I, I just absolutely love it as well. But I'm typically willing to wait and see. Now, I told this story a while back. I, It's a long story as to why I own two iPhones, but I own two iPhones. I have the iPhone 5 which is, you know, one of the older, I say older, it's probably only like five years old or something like that, but it, I, I like it. Small screen, the screen is about like four and a half inches. It fits in my front pocket. I like it to the point that when the battery died on me about a month and a half ago, I it, instead of just chucking it out or selling it, I, I went to the place and I had the battery replaced for 40 bucks. It works fine. I, I, want, to, I want to keep it. it. It does everything that I need to do. I also own an iPhone 8. Again, long story why you have two phones, but I have two phones. I I, I rarely use the iPhone 8 um, in, in part because I like the iPhone 5, but also the iPhone 8, is it, it's actually too big. It's got a bigger screen, but it is difficult for me to carry. It does not fit 
comfortably in my front pocket. I mean, if I'm wearing if I'm wearing a suit jacket or something, that that's fine. It would fit in that coat pocket. It would fit in the coat pocket of like an exterior jacket. But it, it just it's harder for me to carry. All right, if if you're if you carry a purse, not a big issue. You throw it in there. I get it. I don't carry a purse. So I and I, I like the iPhone, my iPhone five. So I, I don't have this desire to move up. I bring this up because yesterday Apple rolled out its new iPhone, the iPhone what, the iPhone tens. All right, here's 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 the description of this. The the latest models, bigger and more expensive than ever. Um, Apple, this is the way the Wall Street Journal describes it, Apple bumped up the price of its highest-end phone by $100 with the introduction of the $1,099 iPhone XX Max, a plus-size 6.5-inch version of last year's anniversary model. The new iPhone XX, priced at $999, cost the same as last year's iPhone X, features the same 5.8-inch OED OLED display, and the iPhone XR is a 6.1-inch device with an edge-to-edge LCD display priced at $749. The Apple iPhone is, actually, the iPhone is Apple's most important product. It accounts for about two-thirds of their revenue. And so one of the things that Apple counts on is that people, when they roll out this new product, People are going to say, okay, I've got to have the newest. I've got to have the best. I'm going to trade in my iPhone 5 or I'm going to trade in my iPhone 8, and I'm going to get the the newest, best thing. The biggest selling point is that they they believe that that people are changing the way they use their phones. And, And the phone isn't so much just a phone, but what the phone is is instead it's an essentially... It's essentially like a, a mini personal computer. And they say, okay, what people are using these things for is they're using them for, for video. And if you're using them for video, you, you don't want to watch it on that four and a half inch screen. You want to watch it on the giant 6.1 inch screen. Why watch a TV set that's 36 inches when you can watch a TV set that's 72 inches? All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, this is what Apple is banking on that you are going to want the newest, you're going to want the biggest, you're going to want the flashiest, and that you're going to be willing to pay for it. Now, what I think is interesting about this, and this is what I really want to talk to you about, there was a a survey that came out two days ago um, by SurveyMonkey. USA Today had this. And they were asking, you know, in anticipation of what Apple is going to be rolling out, are people, are, are you going to want it? Do you plan to upgrade? Do you have to have it? And interestingly, that this poll that they did in USA Today, only 13% of respondents said they plan to upgrade within the next three months. Only 22% said that they plan to do it in the next year. And one of the things that people are saying is, look, we, we don't want to pay the higher prices, and we're pretty much satisfied with what we have now. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The, the, these new iPhones, a little bit faster, a lot bigger, better video, more expensive. 
Are people going to have to have those? And they're going to have to have them right away. 414-799-1620. Are you going to be buying them in the next three months, or are you willing to wait? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 247, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Justin Tex. Unfortunately, but fortunately for Apple, most iPhone users do want to stay current. And even though it costs more and more, people just keep on paying for their phones by the month, typically 30 to $50 per month forever. I'm with you, with you though. I use a 2017 iPhone SE, the last one made with the smaller form, smaller form factor. You should get one of those while you still can. I also like, I guess, I, I like the home button. Maybe I, that that's I think disappeared on the new ones as well. Okay, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty is bigger better. That is what Apple is banking on. The new iPhones that they've rolled out, biggest ones over a thousand bucks. But they're saying, okay, here's the deal. This is the biggest screen ever. They figure people are going to want to have it primarily because people are using these things not just as a phone, but more for video. And you know who doesn't everybody want a bigger screen? Let's talk to Dave in Waukesha. Hi, Dave. You're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. How are you? I am well, thank you. Although, I, I don't feel like running out to the Apple store and dropping 1100 bucks on this new one. You know, I don't I don't either. And, and, and before we get started, let me just say that my bias actually is not even toward Apple. If you want a very small, nice device, the Galaxy S9 is going to mm-hmm. be one that fits in your shirt pocket and gives you a lot more, in my opinion. Got it. So let's, talk about, let's talk about Apple here. The thing that I find interesting is they've raised the price the last two years from six fifty to seven hundred to now seven fifty for their entry model. Right. However, this time it's interesting because I think that they're really going to promote that that uh, what is it the ten the ten XS right. and the ten XS Max or whatever. And and so what they're what they're, I think they're banking on is that you're not going to jump up fifty dollars to that that R model, but you're going to jump up another. Right. Three hundred dollars for the one starting at a thousand, because otherwise you're getting the shall we call it the childlike entry model, like they used to have with that five C with all the colors and the plastic right. back. Right. No, they're clearly. I mean, and I don't think they're making any bones about it. Their push is look. Look at the size of the screen. This is a six point five inch screen. If you go with the iPhone ten, the XS Max, um, that you got to have this. This this is what you have to have, and if it costs eleven hundred bucks. Well, who cares? You don't don't you want the latest and the biggest? They're banking on you and I needing what we uh, what we probably both have now, and that's called readers. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's right, exactly. Well, thanks. Well, they're they're going to be disappointed with me. Like I say, I um, and and maybe this is kind of a a funny sort of thing because again, there's a couple things. My iPhone five, there's a couple things it it won't do. Um, for example, you can't you, you can't hook it up with one of the Apple iWatches. My wife got me one of those for Christmas, but it it's it doesn't run the same system, so we had to take the iWatch back unless I was willing to give this one up, and I wasn't quite yet. But 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 still, it's perfectly serviceable. I don't need that giant screen. Um, let's see. Here's a text, Jeff. I am much like you. Until recently, I was using an iPhone 4s. I was perfect perfectly happy with it until more of more of the apps I used weren't being supported anymore, and I couldn't update to Apple's latest operating system. I very reluctantly upgraded to a 10. I still feel stupid for paying that much for a phone, and the screen size still isn't big enough for me to want to watch videos on it. Let me add, I miss not being able to slip the phone easily in my pocket, too. Yeah, that's the, um, you know, that's that's kind of the operative thing that, that goes on here. And, and like I said, to me, it's, it's just, it's convenience. I... 
I don't use the phone primarily to watch videos. Now, that's not to say that if I'm not traveling around somewhere and I, I want to have an app and I want to be able to watch the ball game or something, for example, well, well, well maybe I'll, I'll do that, but that's not my primarily way, primary way I use it. Now, maybe that may end up making me a dinosaur when it comes to these things. What is going to ultimately force me to stop using this phone is exactly what the, the last texter said. If we get to a point somewhere along the line where the different apps that I use on a regular basis don't work anymore, not supported or whatever, or I can't download the new apps I want, uh, then then that's probably going to be the thing that pushes me over. But that hasn't happened yet. As far as just the, the bigger size, I, I can, you know, I, I can live without that. Here's another text. What you need to understand, Jeff, is that people don't comprehend the price because most of the time the price is built into the phone plan. Yeah, which is so you, you, you don't understand how much you're really paying um, because it's okay. Well, it's, it's $50 a month or it's $75 a month for however long a period of time. You think, well, that, that's nothing without realizing what it actually is. Now, when I went and got the iPhone 8, I, I actually I just paid for it all at once because I didn't want to have to get stuck in the, these plans and things like that. Apple counts on the early adopters, and it counts on people you know, willing to make those improvements. The thing that will play out is, at least if you believe these surveys, a lot of people just aren't seeing that extra value and they're not deciding, gee, I got to drop a thousand dollars to have a slightly bigger screen. I think I would be in that category. Will this be a success? I guess time will tell. All right, let me take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have John, we're going to have Melissa, we're going to have Greg. We will find out what they all have on their minds on Wisconsin's afternoon news. Please stick around. It's two fifty-three. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.